Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to the first day of spring. Good. Five people are excited about that. Yeah. And uh, I want you to know that Easter is 28 days away. You ready? How about Christmas? Uh, 279 days. Get your shopping in early because there are supply chain problems still in effect. And I want to talk to you today as we're, we're journeying toward these two incredible days, Good Friday and Easter. And we're using this phrase that everything God does is beyond expectation. Everything. His love for us beyond expectation. His patience, beyond expectation. His grace, his mercy, beyond expectation. And then the fact that we get to live on the Central Coast, beyond expectation. Uh, Pastor John and I had the awesome privilege of going to our Foursquare Regional Pastors Leaders meeting on Friday in the beautiful town of Bakersfield. And as we drove the 166, uh, Pastor John had never been on it before. We, d- we drove the 166. There was some beautiful terrain, some green areas. Anybody remember that big lake that used to be out there? It ain't there anymore. There's no water, not one drop, right? And I kept telling him, there's a big body of water coming. We could see it on the GPS, this big blue thing. <gasps> and the bridge that goes across, right? Yeah, come on, anybody? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't there. But the Central Coast is still awesome. Beats Bakersfield. Now, if you're from Bakersfield or you're watching from Bakersfield, it's really a nice place. <laughs> Felt no call whatsoever. It wasn't beyond expectation. 750,000 people did not do much for me. But being with the other pastors and leaders was great. And being reminded that we have a central message that we must proclaim, and that's Jesus Christ is Lord, he's Savior, and the four square, he's Savior, healer, baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and the soon coming king. And when he comes back, no one gets to vote him in or vote him out. He's taken over. That's what he does. So you might as well give up now. Give him your life, because eventually he's going to take over anyway. We have a scripture that we started last week with our series, and I want to use it again. We'll use it next week as well. It's Ephesians 3, 19, 20, and 21. And would you read it with your best first day of spring voice? Here we go. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's who our God is. And where does he work from? Hello? Where does he work from? According to his power that is at work within us. Not your power, but his power within us. And we saw last week that there was a divine interruption that took place. Mary was being asked to be the mother of Jesus. Wow. 
And I think part of the beauty of Christ being born inside a womb is to remind us of the beautiful picture that Christ wants to live inside of each of us. He's not a God who's far, far away up there in heaven, though he's up there. He's not a God that is omnipresent everywhere, though he is. He's a God that also wants to be personal to you and live inside your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when this young girl allows Christ to be born in her and through her, it's a reminder that Christ wants to live in you and work through your life too. See that picture. And remember these words that she said in Luke 1.38. I had you repeat part of them last week. And here's what she said. I am the Lord's servant. Be it done. Let's read it. Be it done to me according to your word. And I would encourage you to quote that every day of your life. Today, Lord, may it be done unto me according to your word, according to your plan. Now, we can come to Christ... We can believe in him, as the Bible says, that he died, he rose again from the dead. Uh, we can raise our hand and say, I give my life to Jesus. We can walk to, in front of the altar. We can go to a woman's retreat, a men's retreat, a camp, a VBS, and say, yeah, I give my life to Jesus. And then go to church on Sunday, and we're glad you're here. Keep coming. Good for you. And somehow in between, Miss getting to know him at a deeper dimension every day. I heard someone say this not too long ago. I fall in love with Jesus every morning again and again and again. He's not just my fire insurance. You know what that means? He's not just my ticket out of hell. He's my life. I had a gentleman years ago walk down this aisle before we expanded the sanctuary, I, I still remember. And he, he walked down this aisle, and he said to me, I got a bone to pick with you Christian guys around here. I hear you talk about Jesus, and I think psychologically you've just made him into a crutch. Really? You've, you've just used your personality and become addicted to something else. Good thing everybody had gone out the door because I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to grab him, fill the baptismal and, and dunk him for a while. You know what I mean? And I looked at him. I said, no, sir, you're mistaken. Jesus is not my crutch. He's my legs. Jesus is not my crutch. He's my heartbeat. Jesus is not my crutch. He's the, he's the thoughts that come into my life. And when I let Jesus take over, and God's thoughts become my thoughts, and God's ways become my ways. My life is really good. I'm actually a pretty nice guy. I'm a really great husband, great father, and, and great. I'm a great grandfather. When Jesus is in control, when I'm in control, not so good. Huh? Folks, he's not our crutch. He's our legs. In him we live and move and have our being. We can't even function without him. You didn't get up this morning because it's the time your body says to get up or an alarm went off or a little smartphone chirp happened or whatever. You got up this morning because God lets you get up. Hello? To all you self-sufficient people, I want to know, I want to tell you, let me have two seconds of your mind here. Self-sufficient people, stop being self-sufficient. 
because Christ is all sufficient. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is more than we could ever imagine, and everything they do is beyond expectation. You see, some, some Christians look at Jesus from a distance. That's not how he wants to be treated. Well, that's Jesus, he saved me, and then there's a church, and, and it's from a distance. There was a young girl named Diane. She wrote a biography about her father. <clears throat> Diane. And one day she was at school, about six or seven years of age, she says in her book. At six or seven years of age, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a girl who walked up to her and said, Diane Disney, do you know your dad is Walt Disney? <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Magic Kingdom. Now, see, Diane had not been exposed to all the things her dad had done at that point. They played games. He did some creative things in the garage. They rode bicycles together. And she went home, and she said to her, her daddy at dinner, Daddy, how come you didn't tell me you were Walt Disney? He goes, that was the name I was given when I was born. I've always been Walt Disney. But you're just now realizing my power. You're just now realizing how capable I am. You're just now realizing my creativity in the magic kingdom. God has told us who he is. Jesus has shown us who he is. Don't you dare stand at a distance and say, yeah, that's Jesus over here. He, he saved me when I was in VBS. He saved me one night at the kitchen table. But See, I'm going to encourage you to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you don't hear me say anything else, just get that in your soul today. I'm going to fast forward from the birth of Jesus all the way over to Acts 4, verse 13 for a moment. And it says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Thank you, my friend. And they took note, what? Let's read it again. That these men, what? Have been with Jesus. They're ordinary guys, nothing really crazy about them, but they had been with Jesus. What would it look like if people came up to you at Walmart, Florianos, Village Cafe, American Host, Dutch Brothers? I called it Dutch Brothers the other day. They said, no, it's not. It's Dutch Bros, because that's what it says on the sign, and somebody younger drinking something that looked kind of greenish. Is that coffee, I said? They said, no, it's, it's a special drink. Dutch bros. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if somebody walked up to you and said, you've been with Jesus. Wow. Good morning. When you walked out of church, you went home because your neighbors know you left to go somewhere. Some of you even have Bibles with you. I wonder if they're going to church. I wonder if a neighbor ever says this. Hey, uh, Susie, you think they're going to church? Yeah. You think it'll make a difference in how they live? I wonder if anybody ever has that conversation. They look out their blinds. Oh, look at you. You're going to church. The kids are all dressed up. They look good. You actually found their shoes. <laughs> and they came to Sunday school. I wonder if there's going to be any difference in how they live. Oh, that we would live differently because of our encounter with the one who was born in Bethlehem. Why does his life matter? Well, imagine the world without the most influential movement on the planet. That's the church. 
Think of the church. Imagine a world with no church, no Notre Dame, no St. Paul's Cathedral, no storefront churches down in L.A., some of which we helped plant, no house churches in China, no harvest block party on C Street, Halloween, no Lompo Community Kitchen where you can get a hot meal every day. Different churches doing that. We do ours on Monday. Think of the people, no Peter, no Paul, no Timothy. No Augustine, no Aquinas, no Francis of Assisi, no Mother Teresa, no Martin Luther, no Martin Luther King, no Dietrich Bonhoeffer, no Joan of Arc, no John Wesley, no John the Baptist, no Charles Spurgeon, no Billy Graham, no Greg Laurie, no Bernie Fetterman, no Pastor John, no Casting Crowns, no Mercy Me, no King and Country, no Maverick City. That's all music. Jesus shaped how we express our compassion. You see, all human beings have been created with the capacity to receive love and give love, to receive compassion and give compassion. But Jesus' movement shaped this in ways that we often don't think about. In ancient Greece and Rome, it was generally the beautiful, the noble, and the strong who were admired, no one else. And ladies, I hate to tell you this. Back in ancient Rome... Ancient Greece, you were not valued. And oftentimes, men would let the ladies go first. Did you know that? Oh, not because it was respect, open the door for a woman. They would let the ladies go first because it was wartime. If there were going to be spears and rocks and javelins, let the ladies go first. You know when women started being honored and valued? When Jesus came. You think of the woman who was being stoned and accused by who? By men. And Jesus gets down, writes something in the sand and makes sure that she's safe and then tells her, go and sin no more. What was he doing? He was refreshing her like we talked about earlier. He was protecting her. He was valuing women in front of men. And one by one, they dropped their rocks. The older first, it says, because they were smart. Why? Because they had a lot of sin piled up. Think of the hospitals. Think of the care of widows that came from the very words of Jesus when he's on the cross, and he tells John, take care of my mom. Think of the hospitals during epidemics. Think of the compassion that were expressed. Think of a group of people that had compassion that didn't exist previously until the Geneva Convention. An organization was begun to alleviate, alleviate human suffering, and it chose a symbol of a red cross on a flag. And we know it as the Red Cross today. And think of a group that was started by William Booth called the Salvation Army. Or think of the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association, that had its roots in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And think about the Good Samaritan organization we have that even uses the phrase Good Samaritan, a story that Jesus told as a parable. And did you know this? That 92% of all the colleges and universities started before the Civil War, 
were all started in Christ's name, 92%. And we think about the big Ivy League schools like Harvard and Yale, and they were all seminaries in the early days, teaching the gospel to young men and women, preparing for ministry and marketplace. And think of, speaking of Disney, think, think of this. Yeah. And once you go there, you can't stop singing the song. It's a small world. Where did that come from? It came from the gospel. You know, wait a minute. Because before that, there was segregation everywhere. But Jesus made sure that he was bringing together one humanity in the bond of Christ. And Paul the Apostle says, there's not Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And then the ultimate statement that Jesus made, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a small world after all. Where before had this ever happened? Never. I love the words of the philosopher Mark Nelson who said, if you ask what is Jesus' influence on medicine and compassion, I would suggest that wherever you have an institution of self-giving for the lonely and for the practical welfare of the lonely, schools, hospitals, hospices, orphanages, for those who will never be able to repay, that has its roots in the movement of Jesus. Now, why? Because our salvation, folks, can never be repaid. Christ paid a debt he didn't owe to pay a debt I couldn't pay. I could never praise him enough. I could never serve him enough. I could never give enough. So what I will do is give him my life. I'll give him my heart. And when you read back to the prophecy of the birth of Jesus, Isaiah 9, 7, of the greatness of his government, And peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And they heard the prophecy, and then they saw the pregnant teenager walking down the street, and a scandal broke out. And even the Jewish people said, she's an outcast. And even the Jewish people, when Jesus was born, because they couldn't figure out how could you have a virgin birth, they've been the science 101. And Jesus was called in the Jewish faith a mamsa, an illegitimate child. I remember when I came to know Christ as a Jewish young man, and I would, would tell my family, one of my uncles was a rabbi in the L.A. area. One of my cousins married a rabbi at a real huge congregation in the Wiltshire, Fairfax area. And I would say to them, uh, I, uh, I've given my life over to the Messiah. And they would say, uh, we're, we're, we're waiting for him. I said, I already found him. Why wait any longer? I'm 15, man. I'm preaching. They said, oh, he's a mumsa. He's illegitimate. Of course, then I learned that Jesus not only biblically but historically read in the synagogue. Do you remember that? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's delivered me. Uh, he's, He's anointed me to deliver the captive, to give sight to the blind, to declare the year of Jubilee, Shana Yabel, 
every 50 years, all the debts would be forgiven. But he's asked me to, to declare it now. By the way, you couldn't read the Torah in a synagogue if you were illegitimate. But he read it. Another one of God's heart and God's mind. And before the menorah in the synagogue, all the festival lights, it's where he declares, I'm the light of the world. Not that. And before the, the pouring out of the water upon the altar for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus would say, I, I'm the living water. Not only to the woman at the well, but in the synagogue. An illegitimate child couldn't be on the platform in the synagogue. We have a Savior who's beyond scandal, who's beyond anything that human beings could judge or criticize. And even when Joseph said, I, I, I might leave her, he secretly had a plan. God says, I have a plan too. And I want to just, doesn't matter, but I, I want to declare, what a guy, Joseph. Way to go, man. He didn't leave his fiance. He believed what she was told by the angel, and he believed what the angel of the Lord had told him. And sometimes God tells us things or promises things to us that are a little bit beyond our imagination. But as we read today, he does things beyond our imagination. He does things greater than our expectations. So you're looking at your notes going, man, he's got a long way to go. But we're going to go fast. You're going to write quicker, and I'm going to talk faster. Number one, God comes to us just as we are. He's not looking for perfection. He's not asking you to clean up your act or even clean your room. He wants to come to you just as you are. He came to a world that was in shambles, that was lost, that was what Paul the Apostle calls the enemies of God, and he came and died for us. I love 1 John 3, 1. And to see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And then John, this old man, goes on to say, and that is who we are. In other words, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. If God has saved you, you are a son or daughter of God. You're the children of God, and that's who we are. He came to us just as we are. And we know this, that he came. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John 1, verse 1 to 4, in the beginning was the word. Now, when you see that in the beginning, he's hearkening back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, guess who was there? Anybody know? Jesus. And Jesus was the word, and through him all things were made. That's why last week I said that God had even made the Virgin Mary. Jesus had created her womb. Jesus created the arms that would hold Jesus. Jesus created the milk that she would nurse Jesus with. That'll explode your mind. Oh, can I, can I tell you this? especially you guys over there. Jesus made you. When you looked in the mirror today and you said, yeah, maybe you did and I did. Yeah. 
I'm reminded Jesus made us and we're fearfully and wonderfully made and God doesn't make mistakes. And in this Jesus' life and that life was the light of all mankind. And that's why there's people today dealing with, with just darkness. And some people are found in depression and anxiety. And, and I'm not saying this for everyone. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. But I know there's lots of people who are lost in darkness because they've not yet met the light of the world. And I will tell you this. When the light of the world, Jesus, comes into your life, this one full of grace and truth, he makes everything better. Will I never have any problems again? No, that's bad preaching. Because Jesus even said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But people need to learn the grace of God. People need to embrace the light of the world. People need to know how truly good God is. Don't be a Diane Disney and look at your father from a distance and not know who he is. Be a child of God who says, I know who he is. And I'm going to grow every day in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get closer to God than ever before. I'm actually going to crop, crock the, crack the B-I-B-L-E open and I'm going to read it. Well, I'll wait till next Sunday. No, no, I'll read it every morning. Somebody says, well, I don't, I don't comprehend well. I can't read too long. Hey, give me five verses every morning, will you? Just five. won't take you long. Just start letting the word of God get in your heart. Spend, spend time on your knees, not just some religious posture, but God, I'm positioning myself for you to fill me, and I'm repenting to you so refreshing may come, and I'm letting the light of Jesus come into my life. You know what I know? We need more of Jesus. We do. We used to sing this song at, at youth camp. Oh, it's a classic. It's great. I mean, it's great. We should sing it at every church today. Not. But the song said, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I ever had before. I want more of his great love, rich, full, and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. You want to get simplistic, folks? That it? You want more of Jesus? Give him more of you. Invite him into every conversation. Invite him into every decision. Invite him into every fear, every defeat, every anxiety, every discouragement, every disappointment. Lord, I invite you to come in. You know, the word, word literally means logic and reason. Logic and reason. In the beginning was the word, was the logic and the reason of life. And the second thing is the word, who is God, is revealed in Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God created, and God created by words. When he said, let there be light, I want to submit to you that he was saying, let there be Jesus, who is the light of the world. He was speaking his own son into the planet. Let there be, and in the Hebrew text, it would kind of go something like this. Let there be he didn't even get the whole eight out. He just got the eight. He just got, anyway, sorry. He just, he just got, and light came. That's the power of God's word. And God was speaking his word. He was speaking Jesus. Colossians 1.15 says, the son of the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. That goes back to support my statement that he created Mary. 
Colossians 2.9, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. How could we ever comprehend the enormity of God, the magnificence of God? But in Jesus, we can begin to embrace who God is. And Jesus said these words, whenever I speak, I speak what the Father is saying to me. Whatever I do, I do what the Father is doing. So Jesus became a tangible expression of who God is. We wouldn't know God like we do without Jesus. Think about that. God would be some mystical being out there in the fog or in the beautiful sunset at Surf Beach. That's all he would be. That's all he would be. But Jesus came and showed us the glory of God and how he lived. And Jesus needed, number three, no help in being born, but chose to be born in humility to humble, ordinary people. You know what I have to say? I love Mary and Joseph. They're humble. They're ordinary people, just like you guys. We're ordinary people, just like me with an extraordinary God who loves us more than we'll ever know. I have a question. What can Jesus do? What can Jesus do? And are you limiting him? The, the, the things I go through in my life, I have to challenge myself to not limit Jesus. And to not look at a problem so long and so much that the problem grows, but to stop and look at God. Because when I look at God more than I look at the problem, God grows in my mind and in my heart. And then together I said, God, can you help me with this problem? Oh, sure, nothing for me. <laughs> sometimes he'll say this, can you get out of the way? I'll take care of it. Or I'll give you an action step. Can you take care of it? Yeah, God. But we'll do it together. It was like the elephant and the mouse who walked across the bridge. And the bridge was rocking from side to side and shaking, and people could hear it for miles. Boom, 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 boom. And when they got to the other side, the mouse looked up at the elephant and said, we, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? <laughs> and the elephant looked at the mouse and said, yeah, you got it. It was your big feet that shook the bridge. I think God's like that. God does some shaking, and he allows us to participate in it. And we love to say, I got, I, I got a victory. <laughs> How about we say it this way? Lord, thank you for the victory and for allowing me to be a part of it. And sometimes he'll say back, we really did that together, didn't we? And I knew it was my little faith and God's enormous ability and power and grace. Here's the question. What can Jesus do and where are you limiting him? I, I love this line. It's in your notes. So I'll give it to you fast. Last service, I didn't get them all done. And somebody came down and said, we needed all the fill-ins. Here it is. Jesus is divine enough to enter a womb and human enough to have no room in the inn. There was no room in the inn. Are you kidding me? If that was most of us, we would have protested to the manager, let us in. And Jesus says, no, that's okay. He's God in swaddling clothes. It's okay out in the stable. By the way, did you know it was God's plan? The innkeeper was just a pawn in God's game. 
to show us that Jesus stooped down so low that he would even be born in a stable. Get his heart. He understands. He knows what you're going through. Somebody needs to hear this. Number four, Jesus understands your pain and your struggle, and he cares deeply for you. Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Don't ever tell Jesus, you wouldn't understand. Oh, yes, he does. Everything you face, he knows. Everything you fear, he gets it. He understands. So let me wrap up with this. Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born. Come on, it's Christmas. <laughs> In March, to us the Son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, what? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When? Oh, forever. Good answer. Number one answer. Forever. So to the hindered, he's the amazing God. He's called wonderful. To the helpless, he's the approachable God. He's called Counselor. One who gives guidance and direction. Don't you dare miss that. The Holy Spirit's called the counselor. We go to him all the time and say, God, give me wisdom. James says, where we lack wisdom, we ask. Well, I don't know what to do. Have you asked God? Have you asked God to speak to you? Have you asked God to surround you with godly, spirit-filled people who can also confirm wisdom? Psalm 16, 7 says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. To the hopeless? He's the almighty God. Not only does he counsel us, but he's the mighty God. So God gives us advice as a counselor. Then he empowers us to do what he said. The counselor might say, hey, you got to flee from temptation. But, but the mighty God can say, I can give you power to be delivered from all evil and temptation. To the hurting, he's the affectionate God. I love the fact that God says, I'm a father, an everlasting father. To the heartbroken, he's the assuring God. Why? Because he's called the Prince of Peace. As we get ready to sing our last song and say goodbye, I want to make sure you know Christ as your Savior. It is so important. And I just want you to know, this isn't about me or Pastor John, but there are churches in America who will not say what I'm about to say. And here's what they miss. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And someone will say, well, that's sure narrow-minded. And I go, no, it's not. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Narrow-minded. No, it's not. It's narrow-focused. Because Jesus didn't want you confused with all these ideas of how you get to God. Or somebody even said, there's a stairway to heaven. I heard it in a song. Or somebody said, if you work and you're good enough, you could get to heaven. Nope, the Apostle Paul says, no way. Our righteousness on best days is like a filthy rag. I just want you to know you're in a church that believes Jesus Christ is the Savior, that he's the way to God, that he's the only name by which men and women, boys and girls can be saved. I hope it's all right with you because we're going to keep preaching that. 
So if you don't know him as your savior, your, your, your personal savior today, I'd like us to pray. And I'll ask you in a second to raise your hand if that's you. So Lord, we pray. And you can pray your own way. But make sure your prayer includes this. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive my sins. I dedicate my life to you. I will be your disciple, your follower. I will live by your word. I will live by your truth. And I declare today that you're my Savior and my Lord. And if that's you and this is your day to give your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand? I want to agree with you. Yep, over here. Yeah. Okay, anybody else? Anybody over here? I'm just going to agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Down front too. Uh-huh. Christ loves you more than you'll know. We celebrate your decision to give your life to Jesus. And I have a P.S. For those of you that are already saved, remember, we are the stewards of this movement called the church. We're stewards. Our prayers, our serving, our tithes, our offerings, our love, our inviting our friends to church, all of that, Lord, helps us to be good stewards of your church. And we take that responsibility on seriously because we want to impact this world for Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.